In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, how to build a security operations center or SOC. Part three. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we'll be continuing our discussion with Paul Jorgensen of IBM and discussing how to build a SOC. All right, so what's the next step after that? So the next step is, uh, you know, we talked a lot about reporting before. And in most organizations, uh, even relatively small ones, you're going to have some tools already kicking around. So you can start putting those pieces into place. Because I'll bet you, even if you're not really dealing with any of the uh, alerts and stuff coming in, any of the, the stuff related to the logs, you still got tickets coming in. You got some kind of ticket management system coming in. So you're going to need to be able to benchmark yourself and show progress. And so using that ticket management system and whatever mechanism may be in place that your service desk has already put in, maybe they don't have something. So you get a cool database that interacts with it and can generate these reports. So you can see how long it's taking you to do certain tasks based off of the tickets. Um, Again, having those metrics, having quantifiable numbers, Uh, Then being able to go to uh, finance, say, when it comes budget time again, go and say, look, when I started this thing six months ago, this is how long it was taking us to do security stuff, technical term. And this is how long it's taking us to do it now that we're getting our act together, our house in order. This money that I'm asking you for, for these specific projects based off of my timeline this is what's going to help improve this stuff. And here's where these things impact the business makes that budget conversation a lot easier. Also, if uh, you happen to be in a situation like, like I was where security was actually part of the it organization, being able to go and talk to the business and having them, if not outright sponsor what you're trying to do from a security perspective, but at least have them advocating for you. Have them go to the CIO, maybe the, the, the VP of, of, of IT, and say, you know what? We really think that we need this security stuff in here. Uh, that goes a long way. So again, using those kinds of reports, as well as that, that uh, incident response plan as a launching point for sparking those kinds of conversations, Outside of the, the 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 echo chamber of security, uh, is, those are two powerful tools uh, that you can then leverage. Of course, you have, do have to be careful when it comes to reporting. Uh, you do need to make sure that you're having progress from point A to point B. If you're backsliding, uh, a it's going to be harder to get the money and fun stuff like I was talking about. But B, you may have bigger problems. Uh, but at least now you know that you've got those bigger problems. And so hopefully you can address those. Okay. Uh, so is there anything else you'd like to mention that we haven't already covered? Oh boy. A lot of rambling out there. Um, typically again, outside of the SIM and the reporting stuff, we generally don't advocate buying a lot of new tech. Again, buying a bunch of blinking lights. Uh, too often, 
they're brought in as a magic bullet and uh, it just becomes another source of log events coming in that may or may not have any value to the organization. So when typically when we sit down and, and work with customers on roadmaps, you'll find that outside of sizing the SIM properly and maybe adding things like additional storage, uh, maybe some ex- extra uh, uh, computational power uh, based off of the environment, uh, we don't recommend them. So if they don't have, say, uh, a data loss prevention system, we don't tell them run out and buy one and install it, whether it be uh, a, an IBM solution or something else. Uh, we'll say, let's work with what you've got. Let's get these pieces in place. Make sure we've got a good foundation. And then again, based off of that roadmap, the maturity that we want to try to achieve, let's make sure that those types of purchases, that that you know, very limited money resource that we have uh, is, is, is put to the best use possible. So that's one thing. Another one, which we get all the time and we, we've touched on here a bit. And of course we've talked about it several times on uh, PVC sec is the people um, hiring them, training them, retaining them, uh, uh, not just retaining them, but giving them a career path. Uh, these are very important aspects that, again, a lot of companies, oh, you know, we, we're, we're here and people love working for us. So as soon as we get these people in the door and they're going to be these college kids coming out of the college down the road, uh, they're going to come in and they're going to be here for 30 years. Um, that's not the reality anymore. If you get good uh, people in, and I'm not even talking from a skill perspective, but I mean good people. They've got – a uh, good head on their shoulders. They've got some common sense. Uh, they've got some good problem-solving capabilities, uh, some good uh, deductive reasoning at their disposal. Those are fantastic resources. That's the kind of stuff that is hard to train. So if you get those people in, hey, awesome, fantastic. Your first step to doing great things. They're going to learn stuff. They're going to become valuable. And then because they're valuable to you, they're now valuable to everybody else. They're going to have headhunters after them you know, pretty much right as soon as they go and update their LinkedIn profile, right? Headhunters are going to start paying them. So you need to have a plan when it comes to staffing. If you're going to staff with internal people, especially if you don't already have those people, you need to sit down with finance. You need to sit down with HR. If you have a separate staffing department, you need to sit down with them. You need to sit down with leadership. And you need to come up with a plan so that when those people walk through the door, you know what their particular roadmap is going to be for three to five years at least. And this is going to include things like what is their bonus structure going to be? If they go and get a competing offer, how aggressive are we going to be to keep these people based off of how we rate them inside the organization? How are we going to rate these people inside of the organization? Are we going to use our standard review methodology or because this is a very specialized skill set? Are we going to do something else? Um, Or are we going to say, screw it, we're just going to rely on contractors, which we talked about before. Whatever the plan is, you need to have it and then you have to execute it. And that's probably – 
in the grander scope of things, when it comes to any security organization, but a SOC specifically, you have to have a plan and you have to execute it. Um, one big indicator that I have going into an organization is how much ad hoc stuff do they do? How much stuff do they do that nobody's written down, right? I've been into one organization where the entire existing roadmap for security, SOC, incident response, security infrastructure, all the stuff was in one guy's head. Almost nothing was written down. There wasn't a drawing. There wasn't a PowerPoint. There was nothing. When it came budget time, he went to finance and said, I need a million dollars. And he'd get a million dollars. Because he was there forever. He was, you know, the center of the universe. Great. Fantastic. Somebody hits him with a bus or uh, an asteroid or uh, Sharknado. Um, You know, you're in uh, deep trouble. So, you know, you have to document this stuff. If there are processes out there, you know, I tell people, um, you know, even if you have existing processes, have folks document where they're deviating, figure out what they're doing manually that could be automated, Um, what what steps they're not doing in the process because maybe they're not needed or maybe they're cutting corners and it is something that's important, but nobody actually measures that piece. There's a lot of stuff. So having these things documented, having that plan, executing on that plan is critical to the success of security, period, end of story. Holds true in pretty much every other industry as well, but we care about security here on the EIS podcast. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that, that's kind of a taste of what we talk about in the PVC security podcast with focusing more on the leadership aspect. I'd I'd like to – Kind of tag on to your your giving them a career develop or career development path or a roadmap or whatever. I'd, I'd even say just like working with them, not like giving them say this is what you're going to do, but getting feedback on what they're oh. interested in and yes. kind of catering that to them. Because if you're just going to give it to them, they might be unhappy and you have no idea and you think everything's great and then you know they want to go because some people get into the stuff they really enjoy it. Some people go, yeah, this is not for me or I want to move towards this area. Right. And that and yeah, you're exactly right. And just like I talked about with the um, the SOC operating models, you know, we'll, we'll tailor that to the specific organization. But like you said, for the employees, you're going to want to tailor that for these folks when they come in, and then as they continue to progress. Maybe you're an organization that does annual reviews. Hopefully, you're at least doing annual reviews. Uh, but uh, maybe you're an organization that's doing semi-annual or quarterly or whatever. Uh, you're getting that constant feedback. It's a conversation with the employee and with the, the organization in general, right? What is the appetite for this? What's the, what's the appetite for the risk if this person or these people leave? What is it worth for us to keep them here? What do they want out of their time with the company? What are they hoping to achieve? How can we make sure that that's in there? But again, I'm a huge advocate of having a plan because then you can go and tailor it for specific needs. And you can even, even though I just poo-pooed going ad hoc, you can even go off script, do something wacky and stuff. But if you've got that plan, you can always return to it to make sure that you're doing all the other stuff that you need to do as well. So for example, um, you know, if I've got a guy that happens to have um, a specialty in one particular platform, 
that is a rare commodity, right? So replacing this person is going to be ridiculously expensive. I'm obviously going to have a different plan for that person than I am for uh, the more uh, generalist security folks. But then again, some of those folks uh, may be totally happy being techie, geek, security, rolling up the sleeve folks with no interest in, in leadership or management whatsoever. Other folks may want to dive into that. A lot of security folks, again, as we've talked about on PVC Security Podcast, may not be good communicators. You may not want these people going in front of, well, anybody, but you may have some people that come in that you can go put in front of C-level executives or maybe can go run workshops for the employees or maybe can do, um, you know, come up with uh, uh, materials around security awareness, those types of things. So definitely different skills are going to come in. You want to take advantage of those. You want to make sure that it's tailored. But again, you want to have that plan in place so you're not scrambling all the time, jumping from one uh, uh, from one fire to another. Uh, the, the example that I, I, I traditionally use, a former colleague of mine, um, uh, there was a, a, a reorganization that took place. So his scope expanded, uh, my scope expanded as well. Uh, his team, uh, uh, for the three years that he and I were, were direct peers with each other, uh, I think he always had at least one open hiring request out for somebody who left. So as soon as you know somebody would leave, he'd find a replacement, somebody else would leave. But then he'd have to – so basically he had a, a, at least one rack constantly open trying to refill the stuff. Meanwhile, on my team, not to brag, but it's true, uh, I had zero turnover. Not just did I have zero turnover, but these were skilled, qualified people worth keeping, right? And part of it was because I had a plan. I knew what I needed to do to to uh, engage these people, challenge them, uh, uh, retain them, uh, uh, and it made a big difference in in amongst other major leadership things. But um, but yeah, you don't want to be in that situation where you're constantly trying to replace people. You want to make sure that you're you're at least holding steady, and then you know when you need to bring people in, they come in and they stay without losing other folks. All right, that's good stuff, and I think I think that's important, especially like you said, for building a SOC where there's a lot of uh, requirements for for finding people. And uh, I think you you mentioned earlier that, especially when we talk about the hybrid model, <laughs> is that people are having a hard time finding people to fill these roles and have to end up going out there. So, um, yeah, I, I, there, there's one one stat that's been kicking around uh, for about six months or so as we're recording this. Um, some folks have said that it is um, uh, too conservative. Other folks that are saying it's not conservative enough that by, what is it, 2020, there's going to be 1.5 million security positions open worldwide. Right. Yep. Yeah, I heard that one as well. So, um, and, 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 you know, it's scary and, 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 and whatever else. And even if it's only um, 10% true, it's still a lot of people to go out and find. And it's not just our industry. Uh, we're we're competing with um, uh, certainly IT. We're competing with engineering. We're competing in uh, a lot of other places. Uh, for example, a lot of the cool stuff that's happening um, on the data side. Again, going back to to Bob Rudis, uh, data driven security. 
uh, getting those those folks with a good grasp of mathematics and statistics and uh, the ability to do that kind of uh, analysis is somewhat rare. So you have companies that are competing in wildly different industries trying to bring these people in. Yep, absolutely. So if you want more of that kind of stuff, check out the PVC Security Podcast at pvcsec.com. Are there any other resources you can recommend for people trying to build a SOC? Wow. Um, again, uh, the SANS folks, they have a lot of good resources available uh, that they've put out. Also, uh, articles in their reading room. These are written by folks that are doing uh, advanced programs in various parts of information security. I highly recommend that. Uh, check out the stuff that's happening with the University of Purdue. Uh, Gene Spafford's uh, organization out there. Uh, certainly, if you if you can stay awake through it, uh, there's some great NIST stuff that you can get. Uh, the National Institutes of Science and Technology here in the U.S. Uh, let's see. Uh, the first folks, F-I-R-S-T. Uh, I haven't checked them out in a while, but I remember that they had some good stuff out there. Um, certainly... Uh, there are white papers put out by uh, the consulting firms, uh, IBM included, uh, which can be great resources. They're they're generally publicly available. Um, and uh, listen to PVC Security Podcast, which we already mentioned, but uh, a lot of our friends out there in the security space that are also doing podcasts, they do some fantastic stuff as well. Uh, you know, highly recommend checking out uh, uh, their stuff, and we'll put up a list. There's a lot uh, to to go through and name. All right. Well, is there anything you would like to plug? Well, you can find uh, some of my ramblings uh, on my uh, my personal website, which is prjorgensen.com. That's Jorgensen with an e. Uh, my Twitter handle is at prjorgensen again with an e. Of course, uh, other fun security stuff you can find at pvcsec.com. Uh, I've got some speaking engagements coming up, including uh, B-Sides Huntsville, um, uh, B-Sides Detroit and Converge Detroit. Uh, I'm going to try to do uh, the security uh, culture uh, conference up in uh, Oslo, Norway. Uh, that's Kai Roar's putting on. Uh, and I've also got some uh, CFPs, uh, call for paper responses in to a number of other events. Uh, certainly at um, the B-Sides Huntsville, I'm going to talk about uh, the top 10 things not to do with a SOC incident handling and incident response. Uh, so so do come and check that one out. Uh, it'll It'll be a doozy. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for joining me for what looks to be the, f the, the first ever three part. The uh, 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 um, trilogy. Yes. The first trilogy uh, EIS episode. So this so is fellowship of the sock. Fellowship of the sock. <laughs> I like that. That's great. Uh, um, the two securities and uh, the return of the event. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you for joining me to discuss how to build a security operations center. 
Uh, it's been a pleasure, Tim, an absolute delight. And uh, uh, yeah, it's been swell. And that will do it. Hopefully you learned something. If you didn't, drop me a line on Twitter at Timothy D Block. That's D-E-B-L-O-C-K. Or email me at timothy.dblock at gmail.com. Let me know what you didn't learn and we'll cover it in a future podcast. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. If you'd like to donate to the show, check out my Patreon page at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash E-I-S. Have a good one.